0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed podcast today. We have comedian Sean Wash calling in today on the podcast from London,
1: England. Right? What town you in over there? I am in London. I'm in London. I'm in West London. I wouldn't normally drink coffee at this time, but I'm trying to realign myself with you.
0: Tell me what's going on in your world and, uh, you know, it's a new world. What's, what's going on in, in entertainment in London?
1: Well, the stand-up comedy world ha- in London has, for the last couple of weeks, we've called it, I don't know if you, if you had this, Boris Johnson, our Prime Minister, called it Freedom Day, where everything would open up, there would be no restrictions, no masks. Did you have a Freedom Day?
0: A Freedom Day? That's weird. <laughs> yeah. A Freedom Day sounds weird to me
1: don't worry it sounds weird to all of us as well
0: oh okay what is that what is that supposed to mean what does that entail did y'all have a freedom
1: day yeah so so the freedom day entailed uh the the opening of everything so from the theaters to the comedy clubs to the sports stadia you know the arenas with no restrictions no masks no no you know no two meter gap and Mm -hmm. so really It's been since March 2000 and, what was it? I'm getting confused. 2020. It's been since March 2020 that we haven't done, Oh, that we've done a gig without any restrictions. So Mm -hmm. the difference between, you know, doing stand-up to a half full crowd that all have to sit apart from each other and you're not allowed more than, you know, a group I think it was six, the difference between that and then, coming back to being you know on Freedom Day to being able to play full runes has just been so huge and and it's so good to be back. The difference you just I don't think any of us realised. I think we forgot
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We keep a lot of emotions bundled up inside in life, and sometimes we got to talk to people. I witnessed the benefits with my own two eyes. I have a close friend that was struggling with depression and felt like she had no one she could consistently talk to because of her busy schedule. She was matched with a therapist through BetterHelp. After several months of sessions, I've seen a tremendous change in her personality and in her life. If you're needing therapy and, and want to get some of those things off your chest, it's entirely online and designed to conveniently work around your schedule and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Just fill out a questionnaire and they will align you with the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Unimpressed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H E L P dot com slash unimpressed.
1: How good it was. And and so it's great to be back now in the swing of things, playing to full crowds. That's that's where we are in the comedy world.
0: So you're wide you're wide open now, you're playing to full crowds. Are we are we staying that way? Because we're backtracking a little bit over here right now. Hopefully you guys are gonna lead us the right path and stay that way for a little bit.
1: I mean, I don't know where you yeah, where you Look, I, (laughs) I wish I had the exclusive on that. I think that the numbers, from what I can tell, are down. I mean, in terms of, like, the law and the rules, things are pretty back to normal. And I don't know, I mean, there's talk of things going into a lockdown again in the winter. But I think what's, I don't know, I would love for you to tell me what it's like over there, because here... There seems to be a slight bit of, and luckily from what I've done, it's not been affected thus far, but there seems to be a hesitancy, certainly with restaurant, there seems to be a hesitancy from a lot of the British public to to go back out and spend their money that they've, you know, they've lost for the last year and a half. Mm. I think it's about people are sort of playing it safe and recuperating some of that, you know, that finance before they go out and enjoy themselves again. So it's still a bit weird.
0: When you talk about your comedy career, yeah, and yeah. where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up well. So I, I I'm born in London, but then I moved to a a small town. Uh, it's not that small, but a smaller town on the uh, on the south coast called Brighton, which is kind of it's basically the UK's San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very it's a very bohemian, artistic sort of a very liberal world. Um, and um, and that's where I also I started. I started comedy. So okay. I'm back in London now. I come back. I've come back.
0: Come back. So is there a big world of comedy in London? I mean, what's the what is the genre like over there?
1: It's huge. I mean, it's absolutely huge. There is so it's very much like New York. I look at New York when I I get the opportunity to go over, which I'm going to do again in in December. Um, and I was meant to be over there in August, but something. Work thing came in and I couldn't go, which I was gutted about. It's very much, the London is the cousin of New York, I think. There are just clubs everywhere. You can like sort of quadruple gigs. You know, you jump on the subway, we call it the tube. You get to the other gig, you get on the tube, get to the other gig. In terms of like the style compared to America, it used to be very different. But because of the globalization of the internet, the globalization of things like Netflix where now American stand-up comedy is on the doorsteps of all of the, you know, the British audiences and the, and the young, the young British comics that are starting, you can see the influence. It's so funny, right? John, I don't know if you know, but like the sort of style in America to us, you know, like the, the cap and the hoodie, Uh you know, like the trucker cap and the hoodie and just going up with your jeans and your, what do you call them? The sneakers. It, you, you know like you would have no one would have dressed like that on stage in this country ten years ago. people would be in in suits English british comics English yeah. comics would basically be in, in suits if they weren't in a full suit, it would be a blazer at yeah. least at least a shirt at least a nice shirt and so now. It's so funny, you go into the club, and there's a guy in his 20s, and he's got his cap on, and his hoodie, and his jeans, and, and you know, like, a guy watches American stand-up. And, and, like, there's the leaning on the mic, you see the young guys, and they all, you got these English guys that all think they're Bill Burr. It's yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah.
0: When you say, you know, comedy is about relatability, right? Absolutely. You know? And simple relations, and when you have a cultural difference in comedy yes. being subjective, yes, where's the fine line where's the tra- where's the transfer of that and and how does that work? I mean, what comedians translate I guess American comedians translate in London?
1: well, obviously you know I think say oh you know, I mentioned him but I think that I mean, and you can talk old-
0: about it, and I, when I say translate, you can talk about it in like you know, story related. You know, uh, you know, Bill Bur- Burr is gonna, you know, come try to cut your throat. Obviously, I think Bill Burr would do great over there, right? They like him more but, but
1: Bill Burr recorded his if I'm right, his it was his last one. Bill Burr recorded his last special at the Royal Albert Hall in London. Like and uh, that's to I think five thousand people. And he did two nights. So like, you know, Bill Burr is one of the biggest comics in this country. Seinfeld, yeah. again, all basically all of your big names, tra- you know, sort of translate over here. I think that there's a part of me, I said this to someone the other day, I think, and you know, I'm very conscious here that I don't exactly know what I'm talking about, but just from what I see, just from what I witness when I've been over to LA and I've gone to the comedy store and even played the comedy store, but where, and, and i gone to New York and then watched the specials, you get this idea. In, American stand-up seems to be a bit... There seems to be a bit more of an acceptance with freedom of speech, and there's a bit more acceptance that this is... That the comics are joking. They're jo- No matter how far they push it, mm-hmm. they're joking. And I think that although the likes of, you know, Chappelle and Stanhope and Bill Burr, that although they're huge names in America and now are huge names in Britain, if they had started off here... I think they would have been like blue comics, like as in I think the material would have been too raw. You can't oh. you certainly couldn't you can't I...
0: be now see my impression of that, and I think God. we're on the same page here. My impression of that is I would think people in London a little more tougher than the American. you know what I'm saying, like Bill Burr can come off a little more harsh. In London than he can in America. I would no. think he would. Ha- yeah, I would think he would have more people love him in in London than he would in America with his style of well, comedy. Well,
1: yeah, well, his stuff. So in, with his style, obviously he's loved in America, and, and yes, he's loved yeah. America. But what my point is the sort of complicated point, really. I don't. He makes the English look up the English comedy scene, and I think just cult, to be honest, just culturally, look up to America. Uh, America is it's very aspirational. People want to, mm. you know, we're always. You always hear the phrase like "break it in America." People want to make it in America, and like that's, you know, that's the end game really for anyone here. Yeah, and and I think that Bill, but had Bill Burr been English and was saying and doing the sorts of routines that he does, had he been English, I think he would have had a, a lot tougher time. We've accept we in Britain we accept that he's saying it because he made it in America. But had had he been British. And tried to start off on our circuit saying those things, I, British audiences and certainly the British media, who are extremely sort of conservative, were you know would not have had it.
0: Interesting. So, so you get you know if you have that American reputation, you get somewhat of a pass when you yeah, come to absolutely.
1: London. Absolutely, that's it. That's that's yeah. I would say that's fair, and I think that would be difficult to dispute. Yeah.
0: Interesting, because it's because it, I think I saw that special when he did in London and it just seemed like the response of the crowd, you know, because like when he goes on these crazy rants and talking oh, shit yeah. about everybody, yeah. you know, I saw him that one he did in Philadelphia years ago. I mean, he pissed yeah. off a lot of people. He heard a lot of <laughs> people's feelings, but he didn't give a shit. You know, he didn't. You know what I'm saying? He didn't give a shit. But and when I saw that special in London, it just seemed like they a little. They were a little more accepting of him talking shit about. You know, I think he did a bit about big women or something in London or something. I can't remember what it was. It was something. There was a couple of little things that seemed pretty harsh to me. That seemed like the crowd accepted easily.
1: Yes, well, he's in a very you know he's in a very fortunate position now. Like the the dream where. You know, he's he's playing to the audiences, you know, that want to see him, that are there to see him and want to see him, you know, push, you know, push, push, push it push to the, the limit. Envelope. So, yeah, push the envelope. And uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, they they loved it, didn't they? There's like, they're just screaming. But I don't really have to I'll tell you the funny thing, John. When I, when I, I think I gig yeah, I gigged in LA before I gigged in New York and everyone had sort of said to me, now there's the obvious thing of, you know, you've got to change the reference, you know? So, so I, I have a routine about uh, a Hoover, which over, you know, you'd call a, a vacuum or, you know, obviously you have to change all of the, the little references that, that pretty much goes without saying, but everyone would tell me to sort of, I had so many notes, like, "I'll oh, slow it down slow it down, because even though we're speaking the same language, the accent will just take everyone a couple of notches to tune into. And and what were the other things like, don't perform as much, keep it, you know, sort of hide the performance. And so I went over and I was doing these things, but I wasn't really enjoying it so much because I was having to sort of adapt the way that I do it, which is the way, of course, that I am. Mm-hmm. And then... And once I just, I don't know, was it? In, I think it was in New York in this um, amazing club in Brooklyn called, uh, and the night is called, I think it's na- uh, Names to Look Out For. Or oh, no, Names You Should Know. Names mm-hmm. You Should Know in Brooklyn. It's, it's such a great night. And I just did it the way I would do it here. Obviously, I changed the references, you know, and but I just performed it the way I would perform it. And it it was the best gig I'd had in America thus far. And so from that point on, I just did it. I just did it the way I did it. And I think people overthink the English comics, the British comics that are going over to America, overthink about, you know, adapting it for, for you guys. It's just be you. That's all. That's yeah. always the answer is, is be you.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I I agree with that. You know, I think we have a lot of experts. You know what I'm saying? Everybody thinks they're a friggin' expert. My thing is... And I I study human behavior every day because we have a massive online following with different multiple pages. I think we have about 50 pages in our network. Wow. And I can can really determine what people will do. And that's very hard to understand outside looking in until you can see how people respond to things and you can see how people get this data and they utilize it for their advantage. So... This is what I tell my comedians. I'm like when, when I sign bring somebody on, I said they've already have somewhat of an established fan base, but you may need to clean that fan base up, if you will. Right? Yes. Because ultimately they're trying, you know, comedians are trying to make a living. And when I, I say clean it up is like, let's get some a fan base that can buy tickets. Yeah. Right. So I said I tell them do not worry about anything, you know, any responses you get, because I think if you're you, if you're this piece, you know, if you're this puzzle that's put together and the puzzle is complete and you're consistent with that, that tone and that narrative, right. You will attract and keep the right fan. Yes. Right. And I think that can be said on stage as well. And I think a lot of people out there are kind of full of themselves trying to give advice to uh, a comedian that, you know, has a certain tone, has a certain feel, has a certain narrative on stage. You can't I don't think you can change that. Does that make sense? I've always I've always said, hey, I'll help you with timing and I'll put you, you know, I'll create an outline and a stage that you can feel your relatability in. So, yes. to your point, I agree with that. Be you.
1: I think it's the, I actually think it's the um, one of the hardest things is to completely sort of get rid of any, you know, any influence and, and just really hone in on what it is that is funny about you or not just funny about you, but maybe funny about the way you see the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And try and make that as authentic as possible. I think that's the hardest. It's actually taken me too long. Do you know what? I think I did work it out when I started, and mm-hmm. and I went quite myself. I was quite, I was quite good. It was quite good. It really was. There was no, there was no sort of. um,
0: I think that's what I think to some extent. That's what industry does to some type some comedians because comedians absorb everything.
1: Exactly. Yeah, they exactly. absorb that's everything, and they're for. very,
0: very insecure.
1: <laughs> I can confirm.
0: <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? And. <laughs> If you start there and that's what made you successful, I think you should stay there. You you know what I'm saying? I think you should stay there. I mean, obviously, you can evolve how you deliver yourself to the public. That will evolve naturally. But I think if you have an idea and a framework that works, I think you stay within that framework and just expand on the tags, expand on the narrative. Always know your framework.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And enjoy yourself, you know. I mean, yes, but also enjoy yourself, you know. I find right. I'll be honest with you. I find the writing side of it, although it's so it's so satisfying when it works. It's almost the relief of it working. I'll be honest. I find writing stand up incredibly stressful. I'm, I like it, It's such a stressful process. I'm trying to find the funny. I think I find the funny, but that might not be the funny because I've got to find out when I then tell it to the strangers and then they're going to tell me whether it was funny or not. Like the whole thing is, it just, its it's never ceases to stress me out. But the performance side of it is the bit that I, that's the bit I love, is the actual acting it out. That's the bit that gets me going. And so in my, I've been going quite a while now, you know, I've been going like 14 years and you could probably, we can say 13 if we include the lockdown, I think. (laughs) (laughs) if we include the pandemic and 13 years um that's why i do it that's the that's the reason i do it and i don't want to i don't want to do it any other way
0: yeah let me ask you this what's your daily life
1: like my daily life as a well
0: just as a living you're living and i want to see if i can you know kind of pull in what i was saying to maybe your life and being a comedian. This is just a mindset. I, it's it's kind of hit with me. It took me a while to understand this about these relatability things. So if you walk through your day, what is what do you do that's just mundane and normal?
1: So every day when I wake up, one of the first things I do is I, there's a local cafe around the corner. I basically, I wake up, I put my clothes on and I, I brush my teeth. I don't even, I've not even had the shower yet. I just go around the cafe and I know it, there's quite a social environment. It's like it's almost like central perk in Friends. Sort of go there, you know everyone. And I have a coffee and I just relax, right? And I just this is going to be the part of the day where I don't have to stress and I don't have to work. And then I'll come back to the flat or the apartment, if you will, and start on the, the work, whatever the work is. So if I if it's if it's I've got a set to do tonight, I'll go over the set. What a, One of the things I do, I've just remembered this. I have a gig diary. Is it here? I can show you. No, it's in my bag. Uh, I have a gig diary. And if I've done a gig the night before, what I do is the next day, I'll write down a little report of the gig. So what happened and the do's and don'ts. So the next time I'm in the environment of that gig, I can look to see what I learned from that, that gig.
0: So let's look at let's look at how many people go to coffee shop.
1: Well, how many people are there when I'm there?
0: No, how many people go to a coffee shop? How many people you think in London go to a coffee shop? Very relatable oh thing. Oh.
1: Very relatable thing. That's where everyone
0: is going. Okay, so if you have a a mental mindset of what your day is supposed to be, where's here? Where's the storyline that is the disruptor? Right, so you got the relatability, right? You got the framework and the relatability of going to the coffee shop every day, right? Yeah. So, where's that personality that comes in to the coffee shop that throws you off? That could be funny to all these other people that go to the coffee shop. That could be relatable to them.
1: Oh well, I think okay. So yes, I see what you're saying. I'm trying to to build some. I'm
0: trying to build something here from the ground up. You know, that's, that's. relatable. Cause it's like, I'm a, I'm a father, right? Yeah. And sometimes I do this content and I can get in character being a father because that's who I am. And I can do a good video and say, Hey, when your daughter wants to buy clothes all the time, when she makes you late for a reservation, all these simple relations, you you know what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. I'm sure there's a ton of people and I, I'm just talking about this, just kind of this unveil, Maybe a thought process of creativity for comedians or actors or whoever. But if you have, you know, the relatability is that coffee shop, yeah. Sean's disruptor that everybody could l- relate to that would be funny within that coffee shop run.
1: Okay. The angle that I would come at that is a lot of my stand up pattern that is developed in, in more recent years is it will come from somewhere that is that relatability that is that. It's that sequence from life that people can relate to. What I bring to it is that I can't cope with it.
0: That's
1: normal. That's what the act is. The act is me not. It's a bit like I would say, if I was going to explain it quite simply to an American, it'd be like it would be like Seinfeld, except he can't handle what he's talking about. (laughs) So what I would say so what I would say is, is the cafe, what I would say is immediately. I would be running late. Disruption is this cafe, this cafe trip won't be smooth for me because I'll get to the cafe and I'll realize that I forgot my wallet. And then, and then I'll realize that actually I also forgotten my keys and then I found my wallet, but it doesn't have my card. And it's all, there's always this sort of, yeah, there's a panic to my stand up. I think if you ever watch it, you see it, there's a sort of, there's a, there's a panic and there's a frustration and an exacerbation of, of every situation. So it won't just be, have you ever noticed about in the cafe? It will be, I want to tell you about, have you ever noticed? But I was running late and I've also spilled coffee down myself and I've burnt my hand. Do you know what I mean? Am I making Yeah, it yeah. Like you, yeah. yeah,
0: you lost your keys, you lost yeah, your wallet. So, now I'm trying to bum money from a, a guy there to buy me a coffee. T- totally.
1: I said, yeah, I said, last I, got you. I did, um, I did a show last night. I, I, I Hey, I, I think this is a, a I really like this. <laughs> if I don't mind, um, saying so myself, I thought that obviously we want to get ourselves our act across as quickly as possible, as quickly as possible. And preferably if you can which is extremely difficult if even before you get to the mic the audience can can sort of understand what it is they're about to see maybe by the way you look by the way you walk you know if you're an energetic act you're going to be really flitting to the microphone you know and 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 if you're if, if the act is going to be slow and and, uh and more paste you'll just slowly walk to the mic and so i want i sort of wanted to find my own version of that and what i what I thought I'd do is is uh instead of saying hello i i don't say hello say the first syllable of hello which is is hell but I say help I say hello I, I grab the mic and i say help <laughs> <laughs> and I think straight away in yeah. one syllable yeah it's like it's straight away it's okay this guy's this guy's gonna have He's having a difficult time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that because everybody has a derivative of that relatability, you know, and that's that. You know, you have that direction, right? Where are you where, where are you going with that angle? That's pretty cool. Oh, good. I Thank like you. I like good. that. Well, I mean, do you do you have family over there? Where's what do you do? You you see a lot of family, or you just into your work all the time? And
1: I'm very. Bi- I'm very. Bi- so. So obviously we've had our uh, lock. Did you? You didn't call it lockdown, did you? In America, quarantine. You call quarantine. It quarantine? Yeah. Well, some like yeah, lockdown, so
0: we, quarantine. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah, so you did. Yeah. You did use lockdown. Okay. So we had. Obviously, we had the lockdown, and that gave me as awful uh, uh, as the whole. You know, as the whole thing has has been. It, it. We were put in a unique situation where we were given a lot of time to a reflect. But B, also a lot of time to actually think about, really have the time to think about what it is you you're gonna do moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so, have you? Do you know a Do you know a, a British comic who's who, who does a lot of stuff in America? He's done like he's done the uh, big comedy roasts. Do you know a guy called Jimmy Carr? Do you know Jimmy?
0: Mm, name Jimmy sounds Carr? familiar.
1: He's, he's a big name here, but he's, he's done a lot of stuff in America and, as well. And he's also done, you know, he does Montreal Comedy Festival just for laughs and all of that. But he, you know, he said to me that he just made me remember how and occasionally you have to be reminded. He just reminded me of how lucky, how unbelievably lucky we are to be doing the thing that we dreamt of doing, to be doing the thing that we loved growing up and he basically, he, it was almost him that set me this goal of, like, what you want. He was like, "What you know, what what do you want? Visualize it, and and you've got to do everything you can, and basically, every, you know, everything you, and you do in the next five years has to be about getting that goal. So I'm very busy. I'm planning on, a John, a big fucking holiday in, in five years' time, but until then, I'm sort of... I'm just trying to do everything I can to be as creative as as possible, and I'm I do get tired. I don't know how Jimmy Carr does it. I don't know how these these comics that you know are putting in those hours every day are doing it. But I'm trying to emulate them. Uh, I'm exhausted, but I'm also loving it. So I'm just mm-hmm. working really hard. Well, and it doesn't it. Suit, it doesn't it doesn't suit me because my friend I never used to be like this. It's been quite a. I mean, I've always cared, but I've always kind of if I'm honest with you, avoided, avoided doing the work. And so it's been, um, I mean, it sounds so obvious and you'll know it yourself. It's so obvious. It's just so obvious when you, the more you put in, (laughs) the more you get out. I mean, what, why didn't I listen when I was 24?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I guess you get to a point in life where you just say, Hey, this is, I got to make a commitment to myself.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and you know, it's it's. I think I think I did the same thing. You know, I think ten years, fifteen years ago, or whatever, I was. I didn't have my eye on the ball per se. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's it. But now yeah.
0: I got my eye on the ball. You know, because if I don't, then you know shit's going to fall through the cracks. A lot of it, y- you know. And, I, and I'm, looking, I'm looking at one of your videos here. you got some big, tall letters behind you. What type of show was that you were on? Was that in London? My girlfriend, she's a vegan. That's, what is that?
1: That was probably, there was a big charity gig that we had. They don't actually do it anymore, but it's playing to like 15,000 people at the, at the O2 Arena in London. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, so it's a long time ago now. Uh, yeah, it was a big gala with all of the UK's biggest names. The, it was the night goes on forever. It's like you know, three hours. Everyone goes on does five minutes, but to be able to, I did it like four times to oh, okay. play the biggest venue in the UK, indoor venue. Like yeah, fifteen thousand people. You walk out. It's it's crazy. So it was yeah. a it was an amazing time. And you and I was a lot younger as well. So you didn't really. I don't know if I ever really knew, because it's just happening to you. When it's happening to you, it's very difficult to, I think, when you're younger, to really appreciate how extraordinary what you're doing. You know how extraordinary it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I look back now, and I can't, I can't believe it. But at the time, I was like, yeah, this is what I, this is what I do. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, you know, we kind of live, I think creatives, you know, they, I mean, for me, it's like, I forgot about yesterday. Today's a new day. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you know what I mean? I mean, do you, what kind of shows you got coming up and, you know, with everything kind of opening up for you over there? Is it, how's the fall looking?
1: Oh, it's really good. The, uh, autumn, as we call it, (laughs) the fall is, uh. Is looking really good. So the reason I couldn't, although I, w- I wanted to get to New York, the reason I couldn't was because, in fact, it was recorded last night. I just did a spot for a new stand-up comedy show on Amazon Prime but I think you'll be able to watch in America. That's great. And then over here, we've got a great show that I think they're trying to sell to America. I don't know what's happening with it. It's called The Stand-Up Sketch Show, okay? And yeah. what it is, what it is... Is you take your stand-up routine, so all the comics all go in, do a show, you know, do twenty minutes or whatever, and all the comics, they their sets are filmed, and then they take the audio from the set, and you have, and and then you produce a sketch that you lip sync to your own your own stand-up, so you sort of bring your stand-up to life and make it a sketch that's lip synced to to the gig, and it's so much fun. Uh-huh. It's so much fun to like, and you're actually now you know comedians do act outs you're literal you are now actually acting out the the stand up that you do so it's so much um it's so much fun and i recorded uh 5 for the the series and we're going to be filming those in october so so lots yeah lots of really exciting things coming up it's it's great so you you tell a story yeah right you
0: tell yeah. a story yeah. on stage you yeah. record it and then they put it like a like a play set, like a set where you dress up and you act out the story.
1: It's pretty much that, but it's not a play set. So you'll, you'll just shoot it like, a, you know, like a single camera drama or sitcom uh, and you just you lip sync over it. So for, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So uh, one of the ones that I recently recorded, it's on it's on season four now. And on one of the ones that I recently recorded, I was talking about when I was a child. And in the in the summer holidays, we, we would play soccer, as you call it, for like 12 hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. When you're a kid, you're like 10 years of age. You go to the top of the road and you play soccer at the top of the road. And we would boot the ball against a fence that belonged to a couple, like in their eighties. For like twelve, I used to feel, you know. And if they asked us to keep it down, I would think they were being difficult. And now uh-huh. I'm 35. I look back and I, I just can't believe. I feel so bad that I was kicking a ball against the fence for 12 hours. So, in the routine, I act out booting the ball against the fence, and I sort of repeatedly do it. I do it for like almost like a minute of just booting the ball against the fence. So what we do. Is we then go and shoot that? We actually go and shoot me oh, gotcha. boosting the ball against the fence, and anything I say in the stand-up routine, I will be lip-syncing in, you know, in the sketch.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
1: Cool. It's really good fun. Really good fun.
0: Cool. Cool. What do they? Are they? Have they pitched the networks in the US yet, or no?
1: They, yeah. Well, funnily enough, I'm good friends with the producers. It's the number one comedy. This is crazy. It's the number one comedy show, I think, in Sweden. <laughs> Sweden bought it. They, got the, they sold them the rights, and Sweden are doing it with Swedish comics. And it's the number one Swedish comedy show. And, and they've sold it to loads of other countries in Europe. But for some reason, America aren't biting, and I, the networks aren't biting. I don't know why. I think, I think you guys would love it. It's so yeah. much
0: fun. I mean, these guys over here, I don't know. I mean, I was in television, and it's like, they don't know good <laughs> shit, you know? I mean, I'll give you – let me give you an example. I was – I developed God. before I – the reason I developed the company I have now is because I got pissed off at television, right? Because yeah. I developed I developed a thousand shows, and all my shows were talent-driven. And I'll tell you, this one show we developed, right, was a guy with a White House chef, Roland Messonnet. Right. French guy. He was in the White House. Twenty five years had the longest run of anybody ever in a White House. You know. Wow. Yeah. So he served five presidents. Right. So I had him. I had the talent we had. I think we had George Bush was on board to do some interviews and for the pilot <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> but what we were going to do was recreate state dinners that were historical, right? Cause he knew about a lot of state dinners that happened in the white house that he served wow. food yeah. and you know, you serve the food of what food was being served. Cause there was a certain way food was served in the white house. And so forth. For, so he, he goes through that, but he's walking through a timeline of the historical debate at this state dinner. Who would yeah. not want to watch that? <laughs> they said, no, I'm like, huh? Are you kidding me? You know? <laughs> you know, you know, you know,
1: did they did, did they give you a reason?
0: I mean, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's the weirdest thing. You know, they got, you know, the, it's,
1: it's a, so what a, what a great time. We're so lucky. I think we, we're not beholden to channels anymore going yes or no. They say, no, great. We'll do it ourselves. I think I think it's, I'm, I'm, I've I'm got a couple of things that I'm working on, you know, for myself. The podcast that I do with one of my best friends has just got into the top 10 comedy podcasts in the UK. No one would have had it as a radio show. Yeah. So we've done it as a podcast and now we're in the top 10. I'm working on another thing just for myself. I, I've got this idea that I'm going to do and You know, fingers crossed people like it. But I think we're so lucky that we can, you know, if you're a creator... You don't have an excuse. You mm-hmm. don't have an excuse anymore. We we can do it, and we can. You can film it on your phone. Just give the people yes. a take. You know, production values. You don't have to worry too much about them. On you know, which people, are, most people are just watching on their phone on their iPad. So, I think it's. I think we're very lucky to be in this time that we can we can do this.
0: Oh, I agree. I agree, and I think I think because we live in an ADD world, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. think yeah. that. Uh, Hollywood needs to understand that, and I think a lot of the money they spend on high end production is wasted because people ain't paying attention to that. You, you know, you lose people's attention with you know when you got these drawn out sagas anymore. You know, it's like you know you can't watch think, a saga. I anymore.
1: think I think that I think the next Marvel film should be forty seconds long.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, hey, I thought my idea was, you know, we're trying to develop our own network through this massive social thing. Our own TV network is to be the king of one hour movies.
1: Great. That is a great shout. You know, John, I've never I I don't think I've ever left the cinema and gone. That was too short. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I think even if it's your, if you loved the film. People would go, "I loved it." That's yeah. the main complaint of any, any film. Every time it was too long.
0: Absolutely. Well, I don't know. We've been on here a while. I think we've had a good conversation. I think it.
1: Yes, it's it, been a it, pleasure. Rolled, Thank you.
0: It's we kind of rolled by here, and I didn't, I didn't realize how big you are. You're a pretty big deal over there in London. So if you're in London, and uh, check out Sean Walsh. He's got a podcast. He's, uh, I see a little
1: podcast podcast is called what's Upset you now. It's only 15 minutes long. How do you like that? Nice. Yeah.
0: Nice. Get it all in. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Nice. Cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate you on coming on the show and, uh, yeah, uh, if I'm in London, I'll come check you out and we'll have to check back in with you maybe in the winter.
1: That'd be great. Thank you so much, John.
0: All right, sir. This has uh, been your unimpressed podcast. I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate you coming on, man.
1: Cheers, John. Pleasure. Take care. Yes,
0: sir. Thank you.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?